Morris Blackburn Lawyers, Australia's leading social justice law firm, have been fighting for your rights for nearly 100 years because they believe that fairness is a universal right, not just reserved for the chosen few. They know if one person denies the right to be safe, to be free, to be heard, or to be equal, everyone else's rights are at risk too. And that includes you. So whether it's returning stolen land, protecting new mums at work, or demanding equality, Morris Blackburn Lawyers helps shine a light on everyday injustices because who knows when your rights might be affected. Little song about a man called Guff and a little boy who wanted to be tarred with the same brush. He learned Latin, held his head up high, and he Hello and welcome to this week's so episode of Pod on the Hill. My name is Conrad French, and I'm the digital director here at Victorian Labor. This week's guest is Angela Pippos. Angela is an established sports journalist who, for many years, presented national sports news for leading news broadcasters, and is a published author, including a title dedicated to sexism in sport and sports journalism. Listeners will remember Angela for being the face of the national sports broadcasting at the ABC for many years. She's also a devoted Adelaide Crow supporter and is very much looking forward to this weekend's AFLW Grand Final. Uh, welcome, Angela. It's an honour to have you on Pot on the Hill this week. Thanks, Conrad. It's good to be here. Um, now, the AFLW is now in its third season and 10 teams now following the inclusion of Geelong and North Melbourne this year. Now, but that's not just women playing Australian rules. Women have been playing Australian rules for over 100 years, and the Victorian League was formed in 1981 with four teams. Yet since 2000, there's been a rapid growth in women playing Australian rules, which was then supercharged with the introduction of the AFLW in 2017. Why has there been such an increase in women's participation as players in Australian rules, and how important has the AFLW been in recent years? Well, the first thing to say is that women and girls have always loved this game, despite the game not reciprocating the love. Um, we see it in the numbers of women and girls who have turned out over the years to watch men and boys play football. So there's always been that love. But women and girls have been denied the opportunities and pathways for more than 100 years. So what we're seeing now is that we have this uh, elite national competition where women are you know, on display, pushing their bodies to the limit, and girls can now see their heroines. It's made a huge difference. They can see the end of the pathway. If they work hard, if they commit to this sport, one day they could be an AFLW player as well. So they can see their heroines, and that is really important. You cannot underestimate that. So it's a combination of always loving the game and just not having a pathway, and now they have a pathway it's perhaps not as clear as the male pathway to the top but more and more local clubs are introducing girls teams so if you're a girl who loves to kick the footy you can wander down to your local footy team and either start up a team um, or there could be a team there already and then if you keep at it you could play on the big stage as well so that's why we're seeing this this growth and it's the fastest growing segment of the game girls footy yeah and i tell you what it absolutely warms my heart to see it <laughs> i can imagine it would having worked in in sports journalism for such a long time and i guess that's something we see with some of the players coming through uh this season i think prasparkas has played football every year of her life since she was four or five years old whereas say someone like chloe malloy she sort of stopped playing for a while played basketball was on a plane to go to the united states on a scholarship and then went well actually if i can play football for Collingwood in Melbourne, I'll do that instead. So I think you're you bang on the nail there. Yeah, so now, you know, girls will have an uninterrupted pathway. Historically, they've had to go and play other sports and then, 
get back to football if they want to. Um, now we're going to see girls go all the way through from Auskick to, you know, the AFLW level if they're good enough. Um, and that's, you know, that's long overdue, Conrad. Seriously, folks have had this for a long time. So uh, it's it's good to see, and you know, too late for me. <laughs> yeah, too, um, it's like my, my sister play, uh, ended up play, plays that have played sort of rugby and football and cricket, and has played all sorts of all sorts of sports over the journeys. But so she feels like she just missed out by just just that much in the end. So. I know, but as someone who's been talking about gender equality in sport for more than twenty years, um, I am enjoying being on the sidelines watching. Um, you know, history change before my eyes. So, I mean, I still get a lot of joy out of watching it, uh, even though my days of <laughs> having <laughs> dreams about playing football at the highest level are well and truly over. Uh, yeah, absolutely. And now you've you've mentioned obviously the the promotion of women's sport and women's inclusion sport. Now you know better than most about the reception to women in sport and sports broadcasting industries. And we've seen, I mean, even still, we've seen unpleasant and distracting episodes that have made it harder for women to do their jobs, either as players or journalists. Mel McLaughlin uh, a, a couple of years ago now, and then Taylor Harris, obviously, a, a very severe example last week, being si- singled out for public mistreatment. Why does this happen? And what do you suggest needs to change to make a more positive environment for women in sport? Now, why does this happen? That is a really big question. And I have to start with, We live in a patriarchal society where men and women are valued differently. So that is the first thing to say. Um, This is the society that we at the moment live in. We've inherited this way of living. It goes back to, you know, gender roles that are assigned at birth. So, you know, it's a really big thing to break down. Um, But that's the starting point. That's the world that we live in um, at the moment in, in 2019. Hopefully it will change. And in a patriarchal society, um, there are misogynists who, who just don't want to see women thrive in any area where they haven't been before. So enter sport. And a, a lot of sports where women haven't been given pathways, as we've spoken about, they now have these pathways and opportunities. So the misogynists are really struggling with this yep. because they don't want to see women in that space under any circumstances. Um, and, you know, this is, this is why we get these episodes of uh, blatant disrespect towards women in sport. Look, I, despite all that, I am an optimist and I think uh, most feminists have to be optimists because <laughs> really, if you didn't believe that you could get to a better place, you know, why would you put yourself through it all? You know, the backlash can be horrible at times. So really, I am an optimist. And I, I am striving and working hard to create a fairer and, and safer society for women. Um, but back to sport, and sport is connected to all of that. I like to focus on the good stuff. So the, the people who don't want women to succeed and thrive, they, they may be loud at times, but they are being drowned out as society evolves around them. So they haven't got the ability to evolve or they don't want to evolve, um, that is their problem. So that's my position. I want to focus on the young boys and girls coming through. You know, this is where we're going to see real change because those kids, those little old kickers and little kids playing other sports, they are the decision makers of the future. So I want them to understand equality 
and inclusion and diversity and all that stuff because then, you know, we're in for a much better society down the track. So I like to talk a lot about equality and what it means to be respectful. I think we also have to call out people who treat or talk about girls and women as lesser than, and that is clearly a, a, um, a feature of a patriarchal society. We have to call out those people who find that their comfortable position. We have to call out bad behaviour. We have to stop comparing women's sport and men's sport, and I'm really big on this because that's, you know, something we have historically done. It's been a very lazy position for some people to take. You know, you sort of jump on social media and you see people say women's sport is shit. You know, they're not as strong as men. They're not as powerful, not as fast. And, and most of the time that is true but it doesn't make it any less of a spectacle just because women aren't as strong as men. In fact, you could argue it's often more of a spectacle because it relies less on, you know, brute force yeah. and perhaps a little bit more tactical. And a bit more um, so I'm about talking up the positives and those who can't keep up with the conversation, you know, they'll just wither on the vine, really. <laughs> they will yeah. disappear and the kids coming through, they'll get it and they won't have to make a big fuss about equality because it will just be normal for them and that's what I want to focus on. Yeah, you, you touched there, you said the word normal. I was sort of thinking the whole way through it. For for young boys particularly, I think, and obviously for young girls, it normalises women in sport. And so when they're 20, 30, 40, for them it's not uh, women's sports, this, that and the other. It's just the way it is. And that's I think that helps break down that patriarchy you're talking about, doesn't it? Absolutely. And I had a conversation with Ronda Rousey, the former UFC champion, about this. And I asked her, um, uh, what advice would you give girls and women in sport in this country who are striving for respect and recognition? And she said to me, look, take the word woman out of sport. She, her argument was that by you know banging on repeatedly about women's sport, women in sport, that it was in itself demeaning by sort of separating it from this other thing called sport. And I thought for a, a millisecond, and I was a bit nervous because I knew of her particular skill set, <laughs> but I said, Rhonda, we're not there yet. Yeah. You know, perhaps that should be our end goal, to just have sport. But we are so far from that in this country where I'm not willing to take the word woman out of sport just yet. Because in many sports, AFLW, WBBL, um, with rugby, you know, women have only just arrived at the elite level. I can't take the word woman out just yet because we won't be noticed. We'll just get absorbed into this thing called sport, which is, is heavily skewed in favour of men. Um, so it was quite an interesting conversation where, you know, perhaps that should be our end game to take the word woman out of sport. But, you know, we're, uh, we're a long way from yeah, that. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> sadly. Here we are, uh, sadly. Um, now, obviously, I mean, with last week we saw the problems of social media, um, but I guess we also saw some of the positives. I mean, can, do you think social media can be a positive force for women's inclusion in sport? Absolutely can be. And it's because of social media that I now feel that there's a sisterhood in sport. And I've been around for a long time and I've only just started to feel the sisterhood. Because in the past, when I was reporting, you know, 20 odd years ago, 
you could find one woman at an organisation, one woman at a network, but there was never any more than one at a time. Often there were none. Yep. <laughs> and then if there was one, that poor woman, as in the case like of my experience, was just trying to carve out a career in a male-dominated industry. And all my energy and effort and focus went into just that, surviving, you know, as the only woman in that space. So... It's really lovely now through social media that we have um, the outer sanctum, that we have these different yep. voices in sport and that we feel connected and I don't feel so lonely um, and it's a powerful thing to have sisters in sport and uh, who all share the same uh, goal and that is to create a fairer and safer society for women and girls. Um, so social media um, is, is a good thing Yes, it has that dark underbelly, um, but I think on the whole, you'd rather have it than not have it. Yeah, the, the, the sort of democratisation of voices has meant that we hear yep. voices that we hadn't heard and the idiots we hear on social media we'd been hearing for 30 years and before that, uh, for 100 years before that. So I guess we were hearing more voices than we otherwise would have. The Outer Sanctum, for example, as a podcast. Um, now, you mentioned there sort of is your experiences uh, working in in a, a fairly male dominated industry have you been personally been the target of any un, of unwelcome behavior that you felt was directed towards you as a woman that you wouldn't received if you'd been a man oh conrad how long have we got <laughs> how i mean long is the i'll thank i'll thank the member for the question and, and move on but yeah oh <laughs> uh, look there's been just a, a range of things that I've had to deal with over many years. And it kind of starts at the low end. It's the casual, everyday sexism. And sadly, it has gone to the more serious stuff as well. But um, I wrote about this in my book, Breaking the Mold. And I talked about this recurring question that has followed me over my career. From And it, it, I've never really handled it the way I should have handled it <laughs> but the question yeah. is this simple question and do you like sport well what do you think would you <laughs> ask a male sports journalist <laughs> if he likes sport yeah so that that's at the very minor end wow. of this spectrum um but then at the other yeah you know, the other end you know I've I've had to watch men watch pornography in front of me um I had uh, a high-profile man in sport uh, follow me into uh, the bathroom after a function one night and unzip his trousers and pull out his penis. And, you know, I was just starting out as a journalist. Uh, the year was 1997. I'd just arrived from Adelaide and I just wanted to get on with doing my job and I didn't, you know, didn't know how to handle that situation. You know, do I call him out? And then that story is going to follow me everywhere I go. You know, what do I do? There's clearly a power imbalance and a big age difference between us. And in the end, you know, I didn't, um, you know, pursue the matter publicly. I dealt with it privately. Um, but, you know, that happened, um, you know, more recently, having strong opinions about women and sport, you know, can result in rape threats. Um, from people on social media and you know there are blokes who have strong opinions about sport they're never going to have to deal with that you know and it's yeah this is what Taylor Harris was referring to and you know it can make your workplace 
incredibly uncomfortable because it's different for women. And I got really angry when there were some conversations on radio about, well, you know, Dustin Martin, on his Instagram feed, he gets women saying stuff like, you know, I love you, Dusty, and I'd like you to father my child. And that that in no way can equate with what women have to put up with because there is this thing called context. And the context is really important. We live in a society where... 85% of women have been sexually harassed. We live in a society where one woman is killed by a man she knows every week. You know, we live in a society where women don't feel safe walking home. So, you know, this is is the society we live in. So to, to just to quote one example of role reversed sexism and suddenly think, well, you know, that evens the ledger. Yeah. <laughs> is so naive and it's actually worse than that it's dangerous you know and so uh yeah like it it has been a challenging um you know journey for me over 20 odd years and i guess the most consistent thing for me though has been having to work doubly hard to prove myself you yeah. know that and that is something that doesn't go away for women in male dominated fields you do feel um like you have to work doubly hard just to be respected by your peers and, and by the rest. So, um, you know, it's had its, it's had its challenges. I, I can't even imagine what that would be like. It's, it's that hard thing, particularly I, I think back to myself uh, when I was much younger, like sort of early teens, early t- late, late teens, early 20s. And these things, you never even exposed to it. So it doesn't even uh, enter your conscious thought as a, as a young man. Yet as you get older and you, and you have more conversations, you hear about this stuff, and you think that's it's out of control. And so when you hear young men or you see young men on social media saying these kind of things, um, and I'm so glad you brought up the Dustin Martin one. I saw that conversation. I was like, you just don't, you people just don't get this. But so yeah, it's 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 sort of education. I know it's 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 always that word, but to try and and to call it out, I guess. And so I guess that brings me to my next and my last question before we get into the nitty gritty of the game um, is: What should the AFLW following community? do to promote the code and the players and protect the players from the toxic attention as, as we saw at the target at Taylor Harris last week? We have to just get out there, uh, watch AFLW, support it, talk about it, tweet about it and focus on the good stuff. I mean, this is a vibrant society changing competition. It's about more than football and it is changing the culture of sport and more broadly society. So those people who exist to diminish and demean women if we do want to engage with them i think we have to make them feel as small and as irrelevant as possible because they are becoming increasingly irrelevant as society evolves into this much better place so i kind of ignore the haters as much as i can but every now and then i just like to remind them that they are on the losing side of the ledger here because we are heading in this direction. We are rocketing in this direction. (laughs) The genie is out of the bottle. She's not going back in. So if you can't keep up with it, you know, I don't care. I I feel sorry for you. If if your life is so um, sad that you spend your time (laughs) hating on women who are doing good stuff, um, it is pathetic. It really is pathetic. Yeah. So I, I like to focus on 
all the good stuff that's happening. You know, and, and AFLW is changing society. It's about more than football. It sends the message that it's okay for women to be physical. It says, don't get drawn into the feminine stereotype that's been constructed for you. You can create your own version of what it means to be a girl. You can create your own version of what it means to be a woman. You know, and that's that's the stuff I love about AFLW. It's it's just saying, you know, you can be who you are. If you like to tackle and if you like to run around in the mud, <laughs> yep. you know, get out there and do it. It's okay. Um, so there is so much positive stuff that, you know, that the negative is being drowned out. And, you know, I, I questioned um, the decision to do that, uh, the video at the start of the season, I think that Channel 7 posted online with yep. a select group of AFLW players sort of speaking down the barrel at the so-called haters. And to me, I just felt like there are so many people who enjoy what this sport brings. And a number of them haven't enjoyed football in the past. There are these, I've met so many women and men who are, who are loving AFLW and have never been to an AFL game in their life. It's really quite extraordinary, yeah. the, the transformation that's going on. So I want to talk to those people. I want to engage with those people, not those who you know, are so pathetic that they want to just, you know, hate on women all the time. Yeah, it's those it's those people who sort of had a nominal team because you have to have a team in Melbourne who have now started to actually go to games that they never would have done yeah. before. It's, it's incredible. Now, thank you for all of, all of your insights on the more heavy part of this week's episode. Now let's get down to the nitty-gritty of the AFLW Grand Final. Um, just a recap for all our listeners, the preliminary finals were played uh, last weekend uh, Carlton nine ten sixty four defeated Fremantle four four twenty eight in the first preliminary final, and in the second preliminary final Adelaide destroyed Geelong eleven seven seventy three to one one seven. Adelaide will host the game at the Adelaide Oval on Sunday at one pm. Now, Angela, why is the game on Sunday when there's no AFL men's games on the Saturday afternoon? We could have a two thirty traditional AFL grand final time slot. The short answer is I have absolutely no idea. Um, I thought that Saturday was left clear for the AFLW Grand Final. That's what I was told. So I'm bemused, and not for the first time when it comes to decisions about AFL women. Um, yeah, I don't. I don't really know. I I suspect if the um, Adelaide men were playing on Saturday, they may have tried to have, to do a, a double header. On Saturday, um, it might have something to do with, um, you know, the, the the number of games between the prelims and the grand final. But I was convinced it was going to be on Saturday. But for purely selfish reasons, I am happy with Sunday <laughs> because on Saturday I work for ABC Grandstand based in Melbourne and I wouldn't have been able to fly back to Adelaide. Whereas now I have my flights booked. I'm on a very early flight uh, Sunday morning. I'm going to a breakfast with the um, Rainbow Crows supporter group at the Adelaide Oval, and then I'll just sort of merge on into, uh, you know, game and, and hopefully a celebration at the end of it. 
hopefully, as a Collingwood supporter, I hope, hopefully you are celebrating at the end. Now, let's get into <laughs> the game. Where will it be won and lost for Adelaide? Do you know, the hard thing for me is that there is so much um, positivity surrounding this Adelaide Crows team and everyone is declaring them raging hot favourites that I'm just nervous to to do that because, you know, this game has a habit of um, when you think that you've got got the team and the talent, uh, sometimes other factors come into play on a big stage like a grand final. I mean, I think back at about our men a couple of years ago against Richmond, and I'm not sure I've recovered <laughs> from that performance on grand final day. I barely recognised them. They really didn't play anything like the football they'd played um, the previous week. But back to the women, um, the Adelaide women have nine players in the All-Australian squad. I'll start with that. That's um, quite a few. Uh, we have... Uh, Jess Foley, former Opal, and she's a pr- really impressed in her first AFLW season in the ruck. We have a different forward line this year. Danielle Ponter, Chloe Shear, uh, Considine's in there. Of course, Erin uh, Phillips can kick goals. Um, Stevie Lee Thompson. We've got a really uh, dynamic forward line. Uh, Ebony Marinoff in the middle. And then Chelsea Randall um, controlling the defence. So I, I can't see any weakness. Um, we are very strong. We're a really um, well-drilled, well-coached uh, group of players. Uh, Carlton has um, surprised everyone by beating Fremantle. That <laughs> makes me a little <laughs> nervous that perhaps they're capable of, you know, causing another upset. And they seem to be getting better um, every week, don't they? And, I mean, the last time you, <laughs> last time Adelaide played them, it was, I think, a two-goal win, but Taylor Harris wasn't playing that day. So, I mean, there's, there's, there's reasons to be nervous. And Chelsea Randall didn't play that day either. So, right. um, I'm, I'm fairly confident. I, I've seen them play some terrific football. They've only dropped one game. They finished on top of... The controversial the conference, conference A. A part of the system. Um, Carlton, they finished four and three. Um, I, you know, North Melbourne and, and perhaps, um, you know, Melbourne have every right to feel a little bit let down by the conference system. Uh, I, think the Crows, I think the Crows have got enough talent um, all over the ground. It's at the Adelaide Oval and Conrad, I know I, I talk a lot, but I want to make another point. South Australia, as you know, gave women the vote before any other state. The year was 1894. And suffragette Mary Lee and other suffragettes used the ladies' room at Adelaide Oval for their secret meetings in the lead-up to that vote in 1894. So for someone like me who loves politics and social and cultural change and sporting change, it's all going to come together for me on Sunday at Adelaide Oval um, I think I'm going to get quite emotional. Yeah, I can. That, that's understandable. Um, now, I won't make you make you tip the game because it's 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 too hard to ask uh, a football supporter <laughs> to tip in a grand final. Um, but I mean, I was going to say 
I've got a whole page of notes about the game, but I'm not going to go through them all. Um, I was going to say, for me... Oh, come I, on. Well, I sort of... There was... There was uh, uh, you, you mentioned Ebony Marinoff. Um, her 27 disposals last week and two goals was was very, very... It was an amazing game. Um, I think for Carlton, though, Maddie Prasparkas has been a revelation as a first-year player. She's going to win the Rising Star, you'd think. Uh, Taylor Harris was amazing last week. Kicked the first goal after her week. Tremendously good performance. Carlton, as I said earlier, have been improving week by week. I mean, they nearly got they nearly lost to Collingwood three weeks ago, and we, we were terrible. One question for you, though, as an Adelaide supporter, is with Erin Phillips... Do you think that Carlton send Bree Davies to her as a sort of a matchup physically, sort of an old school football, just head to head with the best players, or do you reckon they'll go with a tagger? I, I would go with Bree. If I was a coach, that's the way I would do it. Um, I expect you'll get a bit of both on the day. Let's just see how she begins. I, I couldn't love Erin anymore. <laughs> <laughs> I have been cheering for her for three years and, you know, I've followed her and her other sporting pursuits as well. And, um, yeah, I, I, would, I would start with Brie. I would start with Brie, who is a phenomenal player yep. and has the ability uh, to, to turn a game herself. Um, so what I'm looking forward to is, you know, Erin Phillips, um, you know, Chelsea Randall, who was rested quite a bit, wasn't she, in the prelim? Yeah. Um, they had the luxury to do that, didn't they, the Adelaide Crows? So, um, Ebony Marinoff, just, um, I hate football cliches, but what a ball magnet she is. <laughs> <laughs> a dollar in the cliche uh, jar. It's, it's, a, it's, look, yeah, it's an exciting, you know, the, you know there'll be exciting matchups. And Taylor Harris as well. Uh, I, I wish her all the best. I, I obviously want Adelaide to win, but I want Taylor Harris to also play well with what she's had to endure. Um, and I and I love the way that she handled all of that that was thrown at her. And she and she pretty much came out with the line that if you're not if you're not keeping up, you know, I, I my line. <laughs> well, yep. I'm sorry for you. Just go away. Um, so there's a lot to look forward to about Sunday. It might make more sense if I ask you who you think's going to win because clearly um i've you know i'm emotionally invested in this thing yeah well i, I think for me i think the the i think i'm gonna i'm gonna go with adelaide i think by 23 points for me looking at the adelaide side at the moment there's a and i think there's up to nine players that played in the premiership two years ago that that are on the list that didn't play last weekend and and I think premierships are won by by the bottom six. I know and there's another cliche for you, but when you've got nine <laughs> players from nine players that played in a premiership two years ago not playing, I think that goes to the strength of the Adelaide side. And you can't go past Erin Phillips. She's a phenomenon um, for for Adelaide and has been for three seasons. So for me, Adelaide will Adelaide will win on on Sunday afternoon. It will take something special to Elton to win, and uh, you know. Of course, um, they're capable of doing it. But, you know, apart from dropping that game to the Bulldogs in, in the first game, uh, I've just seen the Crows build and they look happy. Um, Matthew Clark's done a terrific job taking over from Beck Goddard. Um, he's a wonderful bloke. Uh, I'm, yeah, I'm excited. I was there on the Gold Coast for their first premiership. Yep. And that really, um, despite the sort of bizarre location, <laughs> <laughs> it was um, it was good. You know, the celebrations were great. Um, and I, you know, I 
I believe in women. I believe in equality. I believe in the Adelaide Crows. Um, I'm very excited about Sunday. I, I just I can't wait to get on that plane. And it's going to be a whirlwind 24 hours. Um, but, you know, I don't mind feeling tired on a Monday um, after we've won a premiership. Fantastic. I wish you and the, as a Collingwood supporter, I wish you and the Adelaide Crows all the best this weekend. Thank you very much. Thanks, Conrad. <laughs> Thank you very much, Angela, for joining us this week on Pod on the Hill.